Hey everyone, Josh here. Quick question for you. Do you like coffee? Even more important question, do you like fresh coffee? Coffee that's roasted to order and doesn't taste like the bottom of your kitchen oven. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to head over to McQuanoCoffee.com and get yourself some of the best coffee there is to get. Whether you like the light roast or the dark roast or you're feeling a little whimsical and you want to get that sample pack, McQuano Coffee Roasters has everything you need. And just when you thought this couldn't get any sweeter, make sure to use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. Do yourself a favor and stop drinking bad coffee because you know what? Life's too short for that. Head on over to McQuanoCoffee.com and use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. You will not regret it. Thanks, and now on to the show. What do you got for me? What's wrong with you people? I got nothing for you. What's wrong What's going on, everyone, and welcome to the Reformatory, the podcast for the local church and by the local church, and we are your local churchmen. My name is Josh, and I'm here with the excellent, in the flesh, the inevitable, the the eminent <laughs> Captain Jack. What? What's going on, baby? What did I convert to Roman Catholicism now? You swam the Tiber. <laughs> Swan the Tiber. Yeah. It's all the rage these days, don't you know? Oh my god. Don't you know? It is Dude, all the you rage. You were really taking that last episode yep. about being bishops. Yes. Oh yes, hundred percent. Sixteen eighty nine, and like dude. adapting bishops. that now to like titles. That that's that's what we should be, bishop and and yes, hundred percent, hundred percent, dude. I'm in. I mean, but but bishop and elder are basically the same word in just different. Bishop things. just sounds cooler, though. I'm not it gonna is. lie. Like I just feel it, it has an inherent. You you know who I th- like? I think I think bishop. I automatic. Well, I automatically think bishop T D Jakes, which is what. <laughs> which for the longest time. For the longest time, I thought that was his name. Bishop was... I th- the- <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought his name was Bishop. And because I'm like, this is why name. you thought that, because you watched X-Men, the, man- the animated series, yes. and you thought Bishop was automatically a first name right. for everybody, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I thought for some reason... Yes, I thought Bishop was his first name, and I thought, man, it's kind of a... It's weird, but it's cool. And he's sweating all the time. Yeah, A dude will sweat through a suit. Oh, yeah. Like, no one's business. Like, you know, like, and he never wears black suits is the thing. He no. always wears like the blue or the gray or the, or the reds tans, where like you can the see it. Colors. Like you yeah. see it. And then he gets that little pool going in right, right in the, right in the, right in the cricks of his back. And you know, oh, homie's working. Homie, homie's, <laughs> homie is working hard on that RSA. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> hey. You do you, Let boo. it not be said. He's not a hard worker. <laughs> He's got to do something with those $300,000 oh suits. Anyway, Jack, how, how, dude, you're, you're up north. This is yeah. an odd occurrence. You're actually yeah. up in my neck of the woods. Yes, I am. Yep. It's good to have you. Yes. I'm it's glad you're here. Good to be here. You got your Jimmy Johns. You got your sparkling ice, dude. You're over here like, 
Yep. Like you, swagging out. You right guys now. got swagging out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's balling with that Jimmy yeah. John's, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, it's good to have you up here, Jack. We are uh, we are continuing our series, our mm-hmm. our local church basics, our back to the basics series. Yes, and I'm excited. I think mm-hmm. it's a good series. It seems it seems uh seems like people seems like people are enjoying it. It seems like uh, we've actually got some good feedback on it. I think it's a series people appreciate. Mm-hmm. So, looking forward to continuing that with you. But first, yes, before oh, man. we dive in, <laughs> yeah. Uh, some shenanigans that have 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 occurred. <sighs> yeah, have occurred on the interwebs. Yep. Okay, they have occurred, and we must talk about them because it's what we do. Yes, this is what we do, people. And we this do it is. so you don't have to. Should we talk? Should we tackle for this topic? Should <laughs> we should we make fun of the Andy Stanley thing, or should we make fun of uh uh you know Charles Spurgeon being racist? Which which one? Which oh one? Oh my gosh! Which one should we tackle? <laughs> because I Dude. have thoughts on both. Okay, man. I'm just the Charles Spurgeon thing was just like, baby, what? Like, what? Homie has some bad <laughs> takes. That was that, the, that was the baddest of the the bad. commentator of of that particular tweet. Yeah, I man, I don't know what to say to that comment. And then on top of it, it's like, I don't know for you to go back and say that to somebody who's in glory right now dude it's messed up anyway I anyway i messed I, up I, stupid I, charles not. spurgeon was not racist he got <laughs> books burned in the south because of he spoke against it <laughs> let's 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 be clear but on the other topic of old oh, <laughs> old trailer hitch <laughs> old unhitching old trailer hitch unhitching stanley <laughs> we'll call him um man that guy I think everybody's like you can you can comment on the one the one particular phrase that he said that everyone freaked out about. But yeah, I yeah. I just am like, homie does not know like church history or biblical history of like where the text came from, because mm. even in the lead off to what he said to that comment, he was talking about the like Acts not being a book of the Bible. It was a quote-unquote journal. It was a traveling journal. And then on top of it, he said it was written before the Gospel of Luke. I'm like, bro, have you even written the, like, do you even read scripture, homie? Because he, like, literally, Luke says, like, in my previous gospel that I wrote to you, it's like, you don't have to deduce much to find out what the writers actually meant yeah, and when they, like, wrote those things so so the comment Man. that got everyone's shorts in a bunch yeah was it, it was just this it was a a freeze frame of a a sermon that he preached in which like up on the up on his little teleprompt thing right it says in quotes the bible says is not an adequate starting or returning point for many adults so he's saying for many adults starting or returning, I'm assuming to Christianity or to religion. I don't know what they're starting from or returning to in this context, yeah. but he's saying the phrase, the Bible says, is not adequate. Here's the thing. Here's the point that I tried to make. And I think this is this is a this is this I think it encompasses a larger issue that I have, I think, with our tribe in that they jumped all over this, right? Mm-hmm. 
and eviscerated this statement, eviscerated Stanley and all that good stuff. Now, I'm not going to sit here and defend Andy Stanley. Okay. The dude's a menace. <laughs> okay. All right. The dude's the, the dude, dude. The dude. The dude is literally, I think I sent this to Josh, yeah. but he is definitely getting Marcion's approval from the abyss. Like, oh, my gosh. Marcion yeah. right now is just like, good. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Let the feeling through you. Yes. With as, as heretical as Anley Stanley has become. My problem with people in our tribe is that they don't use the brains. <laughs> yeah. They they jump all over something. They get on a band a bandwagon and hate something because everyone else hates it and not because they don't understand it. My and this is this was my point. And this is what everyone was saying. Everyone was looking at that statement and saying, it's a horrible statement. How can he say that? Oh man, look how far Andy's Andy's fallen. Look at this. This is just another example, right? The statement in and of itself is not wrong. Yeah. It's not a wrong statement. The mm-hmm. Bible says is not an adequate starting point for returning, uh, for uh, for starting or returning point for many adults. It's not an incorrect statement. Yeah. And this is what I, I'm frustrated is too many people in our camp, in order to get on the bandwagon of hating something, they don't use their brains and they just... They just jump on something for the sake on, of of jumping on it. They immediately right? go to in- pitchforks and right. uh, torches. <laughs> Instead of let's let's talk about why. Yeah. Right. The statement itself is not accurate. Is is not inaccurate. What is inaccurate is what's going to come from that. Yeah. Right. And they're going to say that because the Bible says is not a good starting point. Therefore, we should not utilize the Bible. As a starting point, to which we would say, no, thank uh, you. No. <laughs> that just means I'm going to Bible even harder. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. But that is where we need to go. Not just like, oh, look at this statement. Isn't it so wrong? Isn't it so? Of course, it's coming from Handy Stanley. And I'm like, bro, like the statement isn't false. Now, where he goes from there is going to be false, I guarantee uh, yeah. you. <laughs> right. Yeah. But let's just, if we're going to, if we're going to rage against something. Can we at least make sure that we're using our brains? We're calling out the right things. Why are you shaking your head? No, Josh. How, have to, how dare you? No, you I, you tell reform people to use their minds. Oh my gosh! <laughs> we need more RC Sproul up here. We need more renewing your mind. That's what we need. Y'all need to listen to more RC Sproul. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was times. funny too because it's like his whole lead up to this. Yeah. He didn't even use like the dude was. I was just like, man, this is like a master class in how literally you don't even read scripture and you don't even want to use that as an apologetic anymore. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And again, like I'm not in no way defending Andy Stanley. I just I think yeah, he 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 has proven he has proven that he doesn't he doesn't take the Bible seriously. You know, his whole unhitch from the Old Testament just proves that his 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 whatever tools he's using for interpretation, his hermeneutic, his whole idea of scripture and how we utilize it is completely false. And it was and crazy too because he he was talking about like, well, we don't have the Bible and we don't have like so he was like criticizing the the manuscript tradition that sure. the apostles had basically right. in that which, time which is the first step to antinomianism like if you want to be able to tell people they're good enough the way that they are the first step you got to do is get rid of the authority which is which is what he's doing you know and and i yeah. i unless andy stanley and i pray this happens unless andy stanley repents yeah comes to a true understanding of the gospel right uh 
it, in a couple years, the way that he's going, if he doesn't already, he'll be affirming, you know, he'll be affirming same same sex attraction. He'll be affirming, uh, you know, calling truth relative. Sin won't won't be a thing. Like all all of these things, it all it all stems from when you lose sola scriptura, yeah. everything else falls apart. Sure, right, yeah. But no, he's uh, yeah. It was just like really crazy to me because like, dude, all the answers that you just. All the answers are there. Like literally yeah. everything that you just objected to right. They're in, the in his in his intro was like, have you read Acts before? Yeah. Like literally it tells you right. like what's going on. And then on top of it, well, his previous statements are like unhitched from the Old Testament. He just like literally said like, well, we they didn't have like the apostles didn't have the Bible. It's like they had the Old Testament here, people. Right. And they're apostles. Yeah. One in one does make two in this situation. Sure. If so facto. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And again, if he if I pray he repents and but if he doesn't, he'll be unhitching from the New Testament here in the next couple of years. Just oh, yeah. because that's that's the progression, right? Yeah. You can't have one without the other. So yeah. anyway, that was a very long rabbit trail. Hopefully some of it was edifying to you. Uh but Jack Scripture is important. Scripture it, matters, people. hundred percent. That's, that's the takeaway. We could just end <laughs> that here. Jack before we get into our back to the basics topic today, yes. why don't you please run us through maybe a little shorter today because we're we're already okay. we're already uh, running out of time. Uh, the reformatory cigar of the week. So this cigar of the week is by Hiram and Solomon, which is a very Freemason kind of branded cigar, and it is uh, interesting. It's called the Treaty. Uh, it is a Toro. It's a six by fifty two Toro. Uh, rapper is Royal Corojo, but they did not disclose the binder, the filler on this. Very interesting <laughs> move. It's guys. the Illuminati. Is this an Illuminati <laughs> cigar? Is that what this is? Is Nick Cage Joe? You know, like, is, is this is the rapper for this cigar a clue for Nick Cage to find? Uh, the, I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay. I mean, look at that thing. That thing looks like you could type, yeah. decode some sort of thing on that. I mean, Joe Thorne has said that in the past. This is like eating meat sacrificed to idols in a sense because you're smoking this with like Freemason stuff on it. But I will say this. I thought the price point, I will say that it was a good cigar. The problems that I had with it, um, and this could be one-offs, some of the construction like towards the end of the back third uh, was not uh, so solid. But I will say on the first two thirds, it was really good. It was coffee kind of slight hints of caramel creaminess and stuff like that and so it was not a bad cigar at all i think the only two things that i had issues with was the construction on the back end of the last third of the cigar and then the price point i felt like you could have reduced that a little bit more because it's it's msrp is like 13 14 dollars Okay. And I'm just like, yeah. And I'm just like, ah, you could have reduced it. Maybe if you took it down to like 10 or nine, I would have been okay with it. But if Freemasons always think they're hotter than they are, though, I mean, of course, you know, it makes sense. Typical. Typical. So, excellent. So, all right. It was good, but there's some certain issues here and there with it. Okay. Sounds good. Well, that is the Reformatory Cigar of the Week. Go and smoke to the glory of God. All right, Jack, we're back. Here we go. So we're going to continue our series, our Mm -hmm. Back to the Basics. And today, Jack, we are talking about church polity. 
That's right. Everyone's favorite subject, government. (laughs) Government cheddar. All right. So we are going to go through the three main um, leadership structures, polity structures that exist within the kind of the local church. Um, These are the three three big ones, the three, like your church that you go to will most likely be one of these three that we're going to talk about. Yes. And before we hop into it, Jack, yes. explain to our people, why is church polity part of our back to the basics? Why is how your government is, stru- how you, excuse me, how your church yeah. government or leadership, if you will, is structured? Why is that important? Yeah. So, I mean, you've never you've never experienced anything oh like that. <laughs> yes, we haven't ever experienced no. issues with church government, yeah. have we, Josh? Tell me why <clears throat> how it's structured is important, Jack. Uh, so yeah, I would say that one, you see well, you start off in the Gospels as Jesus picking disciples. Those disciples in the book of Acts become apostles, right? You have a structure there. A structure of the church coming out, being birthed out of this kind of governmental structure that Israel had with a king and a king rules over his people. Now we do have a king, which is Jesus. So we do have a a structure, quote unquote, politically in this way where we have a king, we have the people, and we also are kind of moving into a sense where a church is almost like structured like a, a tribe, in, a, in some ways of when you look at scripture and you look at how Israel was kind of ruled over in these different tribe positions and everything like that. But now we're ruled in the sense of we have King Jesus as a ruler, King Jesus as our ultimate shepherd, and we have under shepherds. In the New Testament, those under shepherds were the apostles, but also those apostles in some respects, because even Peter hints to of this, were elders of local churches. So Peter says this in his uh, in his epistle where he says, as fellow elders, so it's like, okay, you were an apostle and an elder at a local church. All right. So there's elders and then there's deacons, okay? The elders, I think the way that the elders are structured, Josh and I will talk about a little bit more, but you see this in, obviously Peter attests to the fact that he is an elder, so he is somebody in a local church that is part of this this local church body government. How do we shepherd people in a local church that is po- ultimately pointing us back to King Jesus, but we're ruling and shepherding in a way that is most closely to what he would do, I guess? That is the important question, because if Paul says we are to be imitators of Christ— as leaders, we are to do that well in these different governmental structures at our local church. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it matters how the decisions are made. Yes. Right? It matters in the local church how you make the decisions that you make regarding leadership, regarding theology, mm-hmm. regarding church discipline, yep. regarding finances. Like, all, all, of the, all of the decisions, big and small, that are made within the local church— uh, have you know di- differing degrees of importance and gravity to them, and it's important that we know how we're going to make those decisions. Yeah. Otherwise, you just you're, you're free. You know, it, if there's no leadership, there's no government structure, there's no polity there. It's just going to be chaos, right? So, because it's important, uh, how you structure your polity 
mm-hmm. how you structure the leadership is equally important. Yeah. Um, and different leadership structures, different polity structures are going to have different pros and cons to the specific local church, right? Uh, and different churches engage in the different structures depending on conviction and, uh, you know, their, their, their church, church uh, uh, documents and, you know, all that, all that stuff. So we're going to go over the three main big ones. Um, we're going to start with the one that I think Jack and I wholeheartedly disagree with and think is... Mm-hmm the most inferior uh, of all the polity structures, and that is the the congregational, uh, the congregational... Pure um, congregational. Pure congregational, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Purely congregational leadership, or polity, right? Yeah. Which basically means that uh, the entirety of the church polity and government structure is decided through usually committees <laughs> uh, and whatever the congregation decides is right and good or bad, that that's what goes. Yeah. Right. Um, I have a lot of issues with this type of polity. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, it's usually uh, done without any type of elders. Yeah. Right. No pastors. Uh, they're purely congregational. Often they won't have anyone in the role of of elder or pastor, right? Because we use those terms synonymously. Yeah. Uh, which is blatantly unbiblical. Yeah. You know, we see uh, the case being made in the command for elders in Titus and Timothy, and we see that as being part of an essential church structure, which we talked about the last two weeks, right? So the purely congregational uh, model, is, I think, is one, unbiblical, uh, because you don't normally have actual leadership. And two, I think it's the most unhealthy out of the three because of the divisiveness and the campaigning and just the, the, the very, very, uh, very political aspect of it. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a healthy model. I've never seen it go well. And some of the most unhealthy churches that I have seen uh, had this model. This is spec. I don't know if this is true or not. I mean, this could be purely oh specu- Breaking speculation. News. Here we go. Um, Tone it down you, there, Stanley. You, <laughs> you look at like the epistle to like the Corinthians, like the first epistle to the Corinthians. Yeah. And I'm wondering if they were purely congregational because yeah, man, I'd have to look back. I haven't studied the Corinthian church in a long time. I'd have to look back to the historical context there. I don't know if they technically had leaders or not. I know in church history before, they actually got, I mean, other letters have been written to the Corinthian church as well because the Corinthian church, after 2 Corinthians, there were other epistles written by, like, um, there was a a certain guy named Clement in Rome that actually Paul talks about in 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 the epistle to the Romans. He wrote them a letter saying, Hey, you kicked out all your elders. You need to install your elders back in. Interesting. So, interesting. I'm wondering yeah. if they were a purely congregational church, which that completely makes sense. Oh, th- yeah, they were when, messed up. <laughs> when you look yeah. into light of like why are you like why are you dividing into these factions? Sure. Like 100%. you just talked about. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and and here's the thing, honestly, like regardless of whether or not they were uh you know, if the elders were there, they weren't doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, they were. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, and yeah, that was kind of Paul's whole thing. It's like, you guys got to stop. Like, <laughs> these parties are out of control. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, yeah. So the, the, the purely congregational model usually sans actual leadership. Anyone that's actually, you know, 
in charge or taking the spiritual uh, the, the spiritual reins of the church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually without that, and it it just it causes a lot of dysfunction, disunity. It's not a good model, and I would actually make the case that the purely congregational model is actually blatantly unbiblical. And if you're part of a church that does not have elders, yeah. does not have pastors, um, then I would I'd encourage you to have that conversation yeah. with grace. And depending on how those conversations go, you know, find a church that is actually in line with scripture. Cause I, I think it is to that level. If you're at a church that doesn't have elders, doesn't have pastors, I don't think you're at a church, you yeah. know, based on what we talked about last last couple weeks. Yeah. So now we get into <laughs> the, the two others. Yes. That are a little bit more sticky. Yeah. Right. It, uh, uh, a little bit more, <clears throat> Jack and I still have a favorite. We still have our preference. What yeah. we believe is, is the most, you know, what we believe is best, but we're going to talk about elder ruled. Yes. We're going to talk about elder ruled churches. Okay. Yeah. So you have elder ruled churches and you have elder led churches. So, yeah. The difference being mm-hmm. how much authority is given to the elders versus how much authority is also uh, the responsibility of the co- of the members of the church. Yeah. Okay. For the longest time, Jack. For the longest time, I was an elder ruled guy. Mm-hmm. I believed in it. I thought it was the most biblical. I thought that anything that smelled like congregationalism whatsoever was unbiblical and it was just going to cause friction and cause disunity and all that good stuff, right? Um, I am no longer an elder-ruled proponent, mm-hmm. all right? And I can get into why, but I want to throw it over to you first, Jack. When, we, yeah. when we're talking about elder-ruled, right, versus elder-led, <clears throat> what what are we talking about there? That That... That particular elder ruled polity. Yeah. So I would say, so in my experience, this one gets sticky because you could have really good elder ruled churches. Yep. No doubt about it. Yep. There are pastors and elders who are in elder ruled churches that very much do not emulate what I think Josh and I experienced in elder ruled churches where they're humble they actually want yeah. to listen to the congregation. They actually want to like be informed and informing them. And there's a good relationship there. Um, but what I've seen a lot of the time is that when you have elder ruled congregations, you have a group of elders and then you get this lead pastor dynamic going. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, that little elder board becomes the end-all be-all to everything. And in order for the congregation to really have, to really kind of, I don't know about sway is a good word, but really help the elders listen to what's going on in the congregation, like you basically have to like, (laughs) I don't know what it is with like pitchforks and torches (laughs) in this episode, (laughs) but I feel like you have to like get this like mob to the elders to make them listen to you in a sense. And it's really like... There, I feel like elder ruled. Sometimes there's a little bit more propensity for like smoke and mirrors, for you to not yeah. talk to the congregation, for that not to be a open, viable way of communication. Yeah, I would say I would say it's easier. It's easier yeah. for elder ruled churches, yeah, to not have that relational accountability dynamic with the congregation that I believe should be there. Yeah, hundred percent. So, um. 
those are things that I don't like about Elder Ruled. Um, and then on top of it as well, too, not a whole lot of things are posed to the congregation as it being a way in which there's a symbiotic relationship going on right. and there's a relationship and there's a back and forth that you mm-hmm. see with the pastors and the members of a church. But it's more like you put us up here for a vote. So we're just going to basically tell you and do what you, what you voted us in to do. So yeah. 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 yeah I think you have, I, you know, like Jack said, you can have some very biblical, amazing churches that are elder rule and have that structure. Yeah. And I've actually seen some. Yeah. Right. I've um, seen some as well too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, you're not going to hear me say, cause I don't think I can uh, biblically. You're not going to hear me say that. I think, I think elder rule churches are unbiblical. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're in sin. If your leadership, if your polity is elder ruled, right. I think it can be done and I think it can be done effectively. Yeah. Um, my issue and my propensity to, to, to come away from the elder ruled and ultimately what ended up convincing me, um, of, of elder led over elder ruled mm-hmm. is the, and Jack already touched on a little bit, the potential for such damage to be done to the church body mm-hmm. when you have men who are in leadership that are not qualified to be in leadership mm-hmm. and the only accountability they have is themselves. Yeah. Right. And what can end up what can end up happening in elder ruled churches is you get a group of guys uh, who are part of the elder team together, mm-hmm. right? Good friends, as as they should be, but they do not have the congregation as their accountability. You know, yeah. checking the eyes that are dotted and the t's that are crossed, and you can very very quickly get an elder board that sees themselves as accountable to no one. Yeah. And that's when that's when the bad stuff starts to happen. Yeah. Right? And with Elder Ruled, when bad start stuff does start to happen, there's no one there to pull that e-brake. Yeah. Which is again, we'll get into it here, which is why one of the main reasons that I'm elder led and mm-hmm. and why I'm I'm convinced of that, right? So Elder ruled can be done, but you are very much relying upon uh, the humility of these men <laughs> and their their uh, their ability to hold themselves accountable, which again can be done. Yeah, but I think that there's an even safer way to go about it. Yes, um, and the the vast majority of churches that I have been in that. I think were the healthiest churches uh, were the ones that were elder led. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm convinced again, coming from the elder ruled camp, this is where I was firmly for probably 15 years. Right. I was convinced through, through study, uh, definitely through experience in elder ruled churches yeah, and seeing uh, the things that went wrong there and then realizing there's no way to stop this. Like yeah. this is, in 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 its design, there is no safeguard. Yeah. Right. Uh, and my study of the 1689, I believe elder led mm-hmm. is our confessions uh, preferred polity that it speaks of because it speaks of a dual responsibility between the leadership of the church, the elders yep. and the congregation, the members of the church. Mm-hmm. Right. 
This dual responsibility does not negate the responsibility of the elders to lead spiritually, does not negate their their uh, requirement to be uh, um, qualified biblically. But what it does is it sets up this polity, this structure of a shared commitment and a shared responsibility of moving the church forward. Yeah. And that you have your elders that are tasked with leading the church spiritually. That is their job. Per scripture, per our confession, that is what they should do, mm-hmm. right? But you also have the responsibility of the members of the church to not simply go along for the ride. Yeah. Right? They have to be involved with the church, mm-hmm. right? The elders bring things to the church, whether, you know, things to vote on, whether it's, you know, building stuff or or members, new members, right? The congregation votes to bring those in. They're presented by the elders. They're vetted by the elders, as is their responsibility. Yeah. But they're voted and brought into the body by the congregation. Yeah. Same thing with church discipline. Mm-hmm. What does Paul say? What's the final step? You bring them to the church. Yeah. It is the church that ultimately puts those people out with the intent of reconciliation, right? But it's the elders leading that, Mm -hmm. and it's the congregation following and affirming, right? Also, and Jack, you can speak to this. I already already mentioned it. One of the the reasons I believe the elder-led model, right, is the most beneficial, the healthiest, is because it gives... The congregation, the ability to keep that hand on the e-brake if something is to go awry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That. I mean, that's a huge thing. I've been in. I mean, let's be honest. I've been in Mars Hill, and <laughs> I'll know how that went. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact that I mean, Mark Driscoll uninstalled Bell's <laughs> e-brake before he took yeah. the office. <laughs> I, I, that was not a. I felt like he just kind of like took the e-brake and threw it in a junkyard somewhere yeah, that's or something right. like yeah. that. But I mean, that could have helped out so immensely. Oh, it, it would have it would have been a completely different story. Would have been a game changer. It really um, would have. Not only by the time the implosion of that church happened, which I saw, but also even before that where you saw like basically power grabs happening. Yep. yep. Um and I mean, if you guys want to, you know, go back and watch the rise and fall or listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. You can to kind of get that perspective. But I mean, yeah, if you have an e-brake, you're really like that congregation is holding those pastor elders accountable for what happens. And also like, Hey, let's think about this before we act, you know? And I think that's what Josh and I are really coming to the conclusion of, of like, Yes, we believe that purely congregationalist models don't work, but in order for them to be successful, you elect elders and pastors to rule and to help shepherd a church. Mm -hmm. And then there's a symbiotic relationship that happens between that dynamic. Right. um, In order to fulfill and help out, you know, the, the flourishing of the church, but also if it comes to church discipline, um, if it comes to other things as well too, uh, like financially, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the in, in in this model, the the elders, although they are 
leading the church, and that is their mm-hmm. role, right? That is what they're called to do. They are accountable to the congregation. Yeah. So that if you have an elder, say, starts going off the deep end, right? Either let's say, let's say theologically, right, moving away from the 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 statement of faith, moving away from the confession, as it you know in in our case, it is the. It is the responsibility of the congregation within this model to hold that pastor accountable to the doctrine that we have all agreed to mm-hmm. to live by. Yes. That is the congregation's job. Yeah. To say, hey, man, uh, you're saying this. We've all covenanted together and agreed upon this. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Yeah. Right? That's such a healthy dynamic. Right. If you were in an elder ruled, right, uh, especially in an elder ruled dynamic that is unhealthy, mm-hmm. right, uh, that relationship doesn't have the weight yeah. that the elder led polity does. Yeah. Right? The congregation can still go have the have the conversation as they should. You should still you should still have those congregation have, have those conversations but the weight of responsibility is not there and at the end of the day if the elder team wants to be like no sorry uh, we're not going to change you're up a river without a powder right? yeah so, i mean it's almost as it's almost similar like elder ruled is kind of similar to like how the speaker of the house vote took so long if you think about <laughs> it because like you're really like all those people have to vote right sure and you have to get you know, behind certain candidates. So basically if you're in an elder ruled kind of way of polity in your church and you are basically trying to make change happen, you're kind of like trying to go to like elders to like sway them in order to vote for certain things on the elder board in order to do things versus, you know, your elders and your elder pastors should have came out from the congregation so they were members of the church, so you have this relationship with them versus somebody who's coming. I've seen this too in elder ruled churches where you have a lot of pastors getting hired into the church sure, and not being raised up from yep. the church. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, those are... Those are maybe other topics we'll we'll talk about too that's surrounding those. Yeah, but, yeah. I think those would be good ones actually to um, talk about. But yeah, those... I think that helps immensely because... A lot of the times, a lot of elder ruled churches, you may get, you know, a pastor who's like, man, what are you preaching on? Like members are like, kind of like, tell me this process of what you're doing. (laughs) And they're kind of like, maybe some of them will tell you, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because they're, you're elder ruled at that point. Sure. Like you're there, there's not a symbiotic relationship going on. It's that kind of, um, group gosh there's a fancy word for it in um presbyterianism the um the group over the uh over certain churches oh the the presbytery yeah the yes. presby yeah the presbytery yes oversees certain churches right correct and so those yeah. elders become the presbytery of that church pretty much yeah yeah, yeah, and it's and it's no longer a, a, a symbiotic relationship where you see sure. in kind of elder led churches. Right, it's more of like, no, we're going to do this. Yeah, so 
Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot more to say. And again, just, just to reiterate, like if you're in a, if you're in an elder ruled church, we're not saying it's bad. You know, it, it, it really comes down to, honestly, both, both models work and fail upon yeah. the, <laughs> upon the qualifications of those that are in leadership. Yeah. Right. If you have humble, gracious men in leadership mm-hmm. uh, that are leading the the flock as they should, leading the flock like shepherds, then it's going to be fine. Yeah. Right? Uh, in either case, if you have men who are in it for their own gain, trying to be somebody, trying to gain the likes and all the follows, and you know, basically utilizing the church as their own soapbox platform, then it's not going to go well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Jack and I believe that when you do come across those situations, the elder-led polity uh, has within it, uh, I think, a structure that helps deal with those issues a lot easier and a lot cleaner than any of the other structures. Yeah. So those are the ones that 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 we suggest. We believe again that's consistent with our confession, the 1689. That's the polity that it that it confesses there. Um, but at the end of the day, the leaders have to lead. And the congregation has to be involved in the church, mm-hmm. right? No matter what your structure is, whether you're elder-ruled or elder-led, uh, you're called to commit to your church. You're called to support your elders as long as they aren't doing anything unbiblical. Yeah. You're called to serve. You're called to pray for them, love them. Um, and uh, that's, that's that when, I think when churches have that as the focus, yeah. uh, it really it really keeps things going smoothly and on the track that it needs to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, Jack, my friend. Yes, sir. Church polity. Mm-hmm. Cha-ching. In the books. It was a little. Uh, it was a little. Little sampling. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you could have. We could have. Greater combo. Yeah, we could have done like three parts on this. <laughs> we probably could have. We could have done the theory. We could have done the experiential, and then we could have done. Oh the my gosh, we could have. We we really could have. Yeah, we don't want to go full Doc and Devo though. I mean, come on, come on. I mean, <laughs> people don't want to listen to us for that long. We're already over time. Jack, why don't you get us out of here, my man? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you appreciate our uh, kind of thinkings and ponderings over church polity and which church polity you should do best uh, for your local church, how it works for you, how we look at that through the 1689 scripture references. And if you appreciate our ponderings over this, you too can join us more on this conversation via the sociables, if you will. That's right. The tweaker, the tweeter, the little blue bird site, the Muskerville, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the Instagram goes well with chocolate and marshmallow, or the Facebook, the Metaverse. Um, it is bleeding cash, literally, Dale. Yeah. Like, I, as a recruiter, I sometimes see people who are leaving and getting laid off from Facebook. It's like, you make an absurd amount of money for a little amount of work. Yeah. I don't know how people are going to hire you, but That's in true. any case... That is that company as well, too. You can follow us on the sociables at our tag at Reformatory Pod. And Josh, you can tell the lovely people how they might support us even further in our endeavors. There are many ways that you can support the podcast. Last but very not least, of course, is the Patreon. 2023, Jack. I think mm. we've got some big things coming. Jack and yes. I are in conversations right now 
about uh, bonus content, possibly uh, you know bonus riff apps, maybe video content, maybe exclusive you know Skype smoke sessions. What? Maybe? Mm-hmm. Possibly? Twenty twenty three is going to be big, people. But uh, if you want to get in on the ground floor, that you can head on over to Patreon for a five dollar holla. You too mm-hmm. could support us and have your name hallowed. Hallowed, sir. Hallowed. Hallowed through the halls of this podcast. Last, but definitely not least, again. You could head on over to Apple. If you're on Apple, give us a rate. Give us a review. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Helps the podcast get out to more people. We thank you. We love you. We will catch you on the next step of the Reformatory. Reformatory.